0: Welcome to this message from Life Assembly, a thriving church in the northwest suburbs of Minneapolis. Please visit us online at lifemn.org for more information. And now join us as we pursue Jesus together. Well, good morning, church. Welcome to Christmas at Life Assembly. I am uh, really looking forward to this December. How about you? uh, Has it hit you hard? Yes? No, by the response, I'll say yes. It's hit you hard. That's okay. That's okay, man. What a a great year um, here for our church at Life Assembly. Um, What a great year for just seeing things come together. Um, I've really enjoyed learning and getting to know our, our people even more, and, and uh, seeing leaders step up, seeing just things come together as uh, we come into 2019, and I've been praying into this next year. I'm already excited for next year, but how, are some of you planners? Do we get some planners in here? So you're kind of in that futuristic zone. I, I met, I, met a, I had actually was a boss so much that, that he was so much in the future that he, he was never really with you, and, and he knew it. And so he would plan so far in advance. We one one time we did this uh, as a strength finder thing that we brought in this uh, consultant agency to come in, and um, and they were talking to him about his strengths, and they said, "How far in advance are you?" And he said, "About ten years." And uh, he, and then the people said, "This is a problem for your staff." <laughs> And so you know sometimes when uh, when we 're thinking and planning ahead, we get so excited about the next thing, we forget about where we are at right now, and all of a sudden, you know you look back and you 're like, "How on earth are my kids getting out of the house? Did I not actually experience that and, and that 's something that um, i 've had conversations i have friends that um, just started having kids and we, my wife and I had kids very, very early, you know, and so we were pumping them out. And, uh, you know, and so you, you look logically and you're like, well, there's some good things in that, you know? I mean, we're young. We're going to have the kids out of the house, Lord willing. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, don't count on it. You know, and so there's, there's these things, you, you know, you, you, you plan on. But then I, 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 I say, you know, I was so young that I didn't even know what I was doing. Well, you know, you still wonder. But, you know, you... you <laughs> You kind of go, I, everything was going so fast and you were just running to catch up and do all these things that all of a sudden I feel like now I'm like, oh, I, I don't even know if I experienced everything that, that I could have at that time. And so I just want to invite us to a time of really embracing where we are right now. Embracing where we are right now. And, and today I titled uh, this sermon, Becoming Bethlehem, Becoming Bethlehem. Luke chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. I think I have the, um, well, I've got a couple different versions here today, so forgive me if I'm not lining up with what we have right here. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was wet. No room for them in the end. Heavenly Father, we uh, come before you today in the name of Jesus and we invite you into this place. We invite your presence. Uh, Lord, we know that as we are all here, we have uh, different situations and circumstances that each of us are facing. Uh, but Lord, we just really pray that, that you're able to uh, find your way um, into our hearts and into our minds Uh, this morning as as we are here, and I I pray that uh, you help us to be here, to be active with you this month, and not too far ahead of you. In your name we pray, and the church said, amen. As we uh, prepare for everything December brings, I'm really hoping to help us um, just really get settled in for Christmas and, and for what really happened, that God sent his son Jesus in our time, in, in time as a, as a baby. And I uh, just really want us to connect with this. And you know, as a kid, um, December brought a lot of excitement. Um, you know, the first sleddable snow, is sleddable a word? Sleddable snow is so exciting when the payloader brings all of the snow into that one pile, you know, in your neighborhood where it's going to pile up and you could spend hours and, and days inside. And then I remember I would get buckets of water and I would, I would make sure it was nice and solid and I could encamp in my place. I had slides, ice slides going down my hills and mounds. I mean, I was set. And Christmas was, was just a, it was just like it's coming, you know, it was like this magical time. And I remember this, this one year, I, I don't know. I mean, it was probably mid '80s or something, and and I heard the adults talking about it was going to be a black Christmas. And as a young person, I was like, "Oh, this is bad. It's it's black. You know what does that mean?" And and then I drove by, you know, our, the the fields, the flat lands in, in North Dakota, and I saw the black field. Like, oh, it is black. The black soil, you know. And uh, it was there was no snow. And you could tell, it just kind of felt like the, the air was sucked out of the, the room. It was just like, yeah, the Christmas tree's up, but nothing feels right. And, and if you're from the South, it's, a, you know, it's obviously different for you. But when you're up like, on the border of Canada, you expect snow. And, and usually by the time we get our first snow, they've had a couple by then. You know, my dad was sending me pictures of inches of snow weeks ago. And then he's like, what's wrong with you guys? You know, like, yeah, I know, it's, it's really bad. But anyway, I remember, um, so when you, you go up the steps into our, the second floor of our 1890s home in, in North Dakota, it's still the same house that I, I grew up in. There's like a, a window, a rectangled window, maybe about, you know, two feet by three feet or so. It's just a small window, and you can really only peer out of it when you go up the steps. And when you look out on one side of, of my house, you see the fire station right there across the street. Okay, so it's only about 40 feet from the front of my house to there. And then um, just a slingshot away, you got the train tracks that go and pick up from the elevators, the grain elevators. And then right beyond that, still slingshot away, is the potato house. It's metal, and it makes a really good noise when you hit it with a golf ball or a slingshot. You know? And so you could tell a little bit about my upbringing. You know, it's kind of a, a great time. And, and one time, one of the firemen, they had really dirty fingers. And so when he pushed the code of the, to get into the fire station, he smudged it. And so as a kid, I learned how to get in there and run around and then run out quickly before I was caught by one of those gruffy firemen. It was such a great, great time. I won't go into the funeral home that was still within slingshot range. So I had the whole life gambit all around my, my house. And so anyway, I, I remember looking out this window, going up to bed, and it was just, it was a black Christmas. How on earth did we make it this far with no snow? What, what does this mean? what does this mean? The meaning of life is now in question. And then I woke up the next morning, and guess what? It was a Christmas miracle. Ah, God now loves me. Isn't that funny how we do that? Our circumstances all of a sudden change whether God loves us or not. Isn't that kind of funny? You know, how we do that. Sometimes we're in situations in our life where now we question the existence of God because of the situation that we're in. That's that's not the way that that life works. God either is or he isn't. And let me tell you, he is. Regardless of our situations. And I ran down the steps, thick, white snow, and we had Christmas there that year, and at that time... It's not the, this way anymore, but we would have twenty or thirty people at our house for Christmas. In our, it was just, it was rowdy and it was loud and it was obnoxious in a very German, uh, Norwegian way, and um, I, I was so excited. the The house was electric, and I, to make it all the better, my uncle and my cousins drove the snowmobiles from the farm, and and it was just the excitement was was there. I mean. I, it was everything that a young kid would, would want for Christmas. And, you know, this is a wonderful memory for me, but was it a miracle from God? Was it, was it a miracle from God? You know, I, I look at this in my adult years, and I see that this was part of God's creation revealing who God is. It's just one of those windows into God just showing himself in the eyes of a child. It caused excitement for this time of year, and as wonderful as it was, and as precise as it could have been for that Christmas snow on Christmas Day, that's still not what Christmas is about. It's not what it's about. Although, it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. And honestly, I think this is the first time I've ever actually shared that story, but what a cool experience for me. Has anyone ever told you not to worry about the things you cannot control? It's difficult, isn't it? It's really difficult. The Bible tells us in Matthew 6 that each day has enough trouble of its own, so don't get caught up with the things you cannot control. If God is going to take care of the sparrows and the lilies, don't you think God will take care of you, is what Matthew 6 tells us. And then it goes on to say, how many sparrows do you think you're worth to God? A lot. So, don't worry. So, don't worry. So, the question I want to ask us today is, what do we control? Mary and Joseph are traveling because Caesar Augustus mandated a required census. Joseph had to go to his hometown and it was a terrible time because Mary is about to have a child. The Roman government did not have the option for an absentee ballot. This was a requirement. They had to get there. The purpose of the census was not for companies that they could figure out their marketing plans for the analytics for the next 10 years. This was so Caesar could raise taxes. This is all about the Benjamins. This is all, okay, they didn't have Benjamins. Okay, I get it, you know. But this is about money. And they had to travel, and guess what was happening at that time? Why was there no room in Bethlehem? Okay, Bethlehem, it was not a pretty place. Bethlehem is not a giant city. It is not a main hub for people to go because they've got the best happening restaurants. There were people all over traveling because it was time for the census. And so when they arrived, my guess is they were a lot slower than everybody else because Mary is... and she's having trouble moving along. And, you know, Joseph is like, seriously, could you take any longer to get on the donkey? I mean, come on. You know, I mean, things are really, really slow. And so this is such a difficult thing for them. And by the time they get there, I mean, we don't know exactly what time of the day it is, but we know that there is a lot of struggle to be able to find anywhere to go. So is the purpose of this story that we go, um, oh, I feel so sorry for them? Is that why it's in the Scripture? Is this why it's in the, in the other Gospels for us as well? We know, I mean, in this room, there are really rough situations happening. This last couple weeks, I had you know, phone calls from people throughout um, the metro area looking for some kind of financial relief or support because there are there are really tough times happening and and it it really breaks your heart. And this is such a great window into what God did by sending Jesus. God could have sent Jesus to go at at a place of protection, at a place of safety and of great wealth, but instead, a young girl, they haven't been fully wed, She doesn't, she hasn't even had sex yet, and now she's pregnant. An angel came and revealed what was going to happen, and she had, at her young age, the maturity and the faith to say, Lord, let it be as you have spoken. Joseph was going to divorce her. Even Their commitment, the way that marriage worked was different at that time, and he was going to say, this, this the, this can't work out. This is a problem, you know? And this whole mm, God got you pregnant thing is kind of weird, you know? There, there's a lot of questions, right? And, and so he looks, and he's like, okay, he's stressed. He's already committed to the family. There's a lot of connection. He goes to bed, and, and he is now revealed in a dream that this is of God. And Joseph, I'm sure, had to apologize. Oh, my goodness, men, can you imagine the apologies that he had to make to Mary? I'm sorry, I believe you now. I didn't believe you then, but I believe you now. You know, there was some, there was some tension, I tell you. And th- all of this is happening, and it's coming down to this place of here they are in Bethlehem, and they cannot even find a place to go. It was a time of perilousness, danger. There was no strong Roman army protecting him. And it's as if God is saying, if I could protect my son Jesus with a 13 or 16-year-old girl because that's likely the age range that she was in and this young man in the middle of total chaos in the Roman world, I will protect you. If I could take Jesus and put him into this time and protect him, I too will protect you because you are worth so many sparrows. Mary and Joseph, we're at a time, a very dangerous time. And the way that I want us to, to look at today, and you can see it in your bulletin with a couple of the scriptures on there, it's called Becoming Bethlehem. We, I want us to look at Bethlehem as us. Jesus has not come at this time on his white horse demanding space in our hearts. Although he is mighty and strong and he is a king and he will come back one day like that, but he has come to us as a humble king. He is knocking on the doors of our hearts. And unfortunately for us, many of us, he's finding these rooms preoccupied, full of clutter, The song, Joy to the World. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart, what? That's right, prepare him room. Oswald Chambers once asked the question, have I allowed my personal human life to become a Bethlehem for the Son of God? Have I allowed my own personal human life to become a Bethlehem for the Son of God. So let us try and put some Christmas cliches to the side for a moment. You know the ones I'm talking about, like, um, don't take Christ out of Christmas, right? Or uh, what, what's another one? Jesus is the reason for the season. These, these are good, right? What, what's another? What's the one? I, I know there's something else I'm missing. Is there another one that's really good? Did I get him? Is that it? There's got to be more. Wise men still seek him. There we go. Is there any other really good ones? You know, the, the, those are the things that we hear, but there, there's truth to that, isn't there? there? There really is truth to that. So if we are going to become Bethlehem or become the city where Jesus comes into our lives, I want to show you a few things that are in our control. A few things that are actually that God had said, this I want you to control, okay? So th- this is, for me personally, I mean, this is, I don't really need to bring you into my head, but you should say amen to that. But th- this is something for years I really, I, I really struggled with, is um, some call it determinism, or, you know, how, how much does God do versus how much do we do? How much is God's will um, that, that he does for each of our lives? And how much is it the gifts and the talents and the abilities that he's given us to be able to do because he's empowered us by his spirit to do it? And, and so there, there's been a lot of time in my life where I've really contemplated and thought and prayed into that. And here is something where he directly comes to us. And it's in Proverbs chapter 4, starting at verse 20. Now, when I, when I say this, I want you to also think about the avenues that are mentioned here. And some of them are repeated. So the avenues into our lives are our ears, our eyes, our mouths, and our feet. Ears, eyes, mouth, and feet. So verse 20, My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your eyes, your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth. Free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot or your feet from evil. This scripture is gold for us. Parents, memorize. This scripture, But frankly, even for the non-Christian, this is really terrific, terrific insight. Your life will be protected from so much heartache and life strife, even if you do not believe that there is a God. The wisdom in this will protect you. But it also goes and talks about the wisdom of God. And when you start protecting yourself like that, let me tell you, you're leaving yourself open for God to speak to you. So, first one, listening to the wisdom of God and those around us will save us from many of the pains of life. Not only hear words of wisdom, but hold on to it with all that you have. It's one thing to to hear something, you know, they say one ear out the other but it's another thing to grab it and to hold onto it. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips because it nestles into your heart that it actually begins to make a home. That home will begin to direct your feet. What we let in from our eyes, from our ears, it begins to come out of our mouths and our feet end up pointing To where that goes. Keep your eyes and your ears focused on Christ and his words, uh, because it says that eventually it affects your whole person. The entirety of who you are begins to be affected. Keep your eyes focused on God straight ahead. Do not veer to the left or to the right. So, what we take in with our ears and our eyes and speak with our mouths. Guess what follows? Our feet. So this is what the Scripture says. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's in Matthew chapter 12. And then I'm going to read again verse 23 that we just read. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Or it says, it is the wellspring of life. It is the fresh spring water. Have you ever gone to a, a well before? Like out in the middle of Of nowhere, or maybe, you know, you you did some hard labor, and that cold, freezing, brisk water, when you put that in, it is like, oh my goodness, it's just the best. It is the best. And that is what God is saying to us today, is that this is how you want your heart to be. You want it pumping full of fresh, fresh, cold water. So, who can guard your heart? What do we actually control? Again, above all else, guard your heart. It doesn't say, above all else, God will guard your heart. No. This is our responsibility, friends. We have a responsibility to guard and protect what's coming in, And by protecting what's coming in, it will affect what comes out. Actually, I put that there. That's right. You got it. (laughs) That's exactly right. We lean on God for many things in this life. And frankly, we do trust him to do the heavy lifting. However, God has asked us to guard our hearts. Because everything, say everything. Everything flows from it. We are to protect our hearts In other words, we are to provide security for our hearts, boundaries, perimeters. We are to defend it. This means that you're ready to fight for safety and protection, which affects your whole and entire person, your soul. Parents, God has entrusted you to be vigilant over your children's hearts until they are trained up and ready to do it for themselves. And this is, this is part of your responsibility to help them through. And, and I can tell you, when my kids were really young, man, we were, we were those parents. You know you know those parents, the kids can't watch pretty much anything. You know, we were the, those people, you know. And maybe we went a little bit too far at times, but we, we were certainly those parents. But now, we're at a place, all of a sudden there's a couple times I'm like, Oh man, I can't believe we're watching this together. And so now the way things have changed is we have a lot of conversations. And uh, for those of you, um, just to talk to parents that have maybe some of you have had, you know, that the talk, the sex talk with, with your family, or some of you are like dreading that time when your kids get old enough and you're like, oh Lord, what are we gonna do, right? Let me just tell you something. The best thing that you can do in your life is to have a lot of a lot of a lot of minor conversations. So by the time they get old, you've had to talk about a million times. Because movies that you watch, news that comes on, the radio that comes on, and things are said, conversations, you're walking, you're shopping, somebody says something derogatory or terrible, somebody does something awful, every step along that way, as a parent, you are helping to direct those paths. You are helping to protect them. So by the time that they are going out, they are, they've been learning how to guard their hearts because you have helped train them. Okay? It's a, it's a lifetime of building. And for those of you who maybe you got saved later on in life and you're like, you know, my, my kids, they were not raised in a home like this. And This is what I want to tell you. God brought you out, didn't he? Amen? So let's trust him to do the same for your kids. Let's trust him. And then some of you are here going, listen, we did everything we could and we raised our kids in a godly home and they're not where they're supposed to be. You know, we are standing with you and praying for them to come back. We believe that the Lord wants them back and he is fighting for them as you are. So let's continue to pray and fight for them together. Young people, This is why your parents do not want you to give yourself away. Because maybe in their own lives, they've been hurt. They allowed their hearts to be exposed when they should have been guarded, when they they should have been protected. And so parents are trying to, to help you to be vigilant with your hearts you know, for, for many, maybe our eyes had strayed or our ears were listening to the wrong voices or believing things that people had said to us or our mouths spoke loosely and our feet did turn to the left. Our feet maybe did turn to the right. It caused damage, you know, to us, our, our hearts. So for those that have suffered heartbreak, there's really good news for you. Psalms 34.18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Psalms 147.3, he heals the brokenhearted, and guess what he does? He binds up their wounds. Isaiah uh, 61.1, the year of the Lord's favor. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. This is what Jesus said when he introduced his lordship. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news Proclaiming the gospel, and then he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from the darkness of prisoners. So think of this for a second. Two things that Jesus said he came to do to bring salvation and to mend hearts. Salvation and to mend hearts. For those of us that have broken hearts this morning, we are coming in December, we're hurt. Let me tell you something. God is here for you. He is here for your friends. He is here for your family. God is here for the brokenhearted. Ah, oh, praise the Lord. For those that are brokenhearted, I just want to just say to you, maybe you've suffered really extreme pains or traumas that most people have couldn't even imagine experiencing. I am, I am, from the depths of my heart, I am really sorry that you, have, um, that you have gone through some of these really difficult things in your life, but I do want to tell you that there is an answer for those pains. There is an answer, and Christ is that answer. So today is considered the first Sunday Um, of Advent, which is Latin for coming. And so the birth of Christ is really the first Advent. The birth of Christ coming into a time and a place in our humanity is the first real Advent. And then the second one is when we, as Bethlehem, open up our hearts to him. And that is the second coming From him, the second advent, and then the third has not yet come. The third advent is when he returns for his people, the blessed hope. Um, Ushers, uh, those that are going to be helping us with communion, if you could come and and, uh, get started with uh, passing these around today. As we take communion this morning, I would like us to be vigilant of our own hearts. I want us to be thinking about being intentional about what, and in some cases, who we are letting in. Because these things begin to affect our hearts. These things hurt us For those of you who are visiting with us today, when we take communion, um, you do not need to be a member of our church. The only thing that we ask is that you have asked Jesus to be Lord of your life. That is really the only prerequisite that we have. Uh, so as the tray comes by, if you want to let it pass, that's, that's okay. That's not a big deal. Nobody looks at you funny. Um, if you want to take a cup, which represents the blood of Christ and a piece of the cracker that we have today, that represents the body of Christ. So go ahead and take some time and just reflect on you being the Bethlehem this morning. If you're in a place in your life today where maybe you've gone away, you've had some time where you've done your own things and and gone to a place that you've been far from God and you know it, it, it's time for you to make room in the end. It's time. And let me tell you that if Jesus could come in a humble form into Bethlehem, he can do the same for you. He can do the same for you. In Titus 2, through 15, it says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify himself for a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. Declare these things. Exhort and rebuke with all authority and let no one disregard you. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning that we can be a people that we see you coming and we make room, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray that we can become a Bethlehem to you. I pray, Lord, that we can be a a place, Lord, that, that we are guarding our hearts and we are guarding our eyes, our ears. Heavenly Father, mouths and our feet. Lord, I pray that you teach us by your presence, by your spirit. I pray that your spirit guides us. It says by spirit and by truth. It may seem a little opposite today because we're also looking at the end of the life of Christ. And before he was taken, he was in the upper room with probably the same room that they had their last supper. And uh, they were sitting there and and Jesus broke the bread and he looked at, at them and he said, this represents my body. This represents my body, which has been broken and bruised for you. Let's partake together. He followed that up by looking at the cup. He said, this, this cup represents my blood. That is going to be, and for us, it has been shed for each one of us here today. Let's partake together. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us your son. I thank you that we are able to look at this month, Lord Jesus, and to realign ourselves with you, realign ourselves with who you are. And Lord, I just pray that you help guide us, that you help direct us. Lord, help us to guard our hearts, show us areas in our lives, Lord Jesus, to do that. And Lord, I pray that we can become a Bethlehem for you. In your holy name we pray, the church said, Amen. You've been listening to a message from Life Assembly. Connect with us online at lifemn.org. And thanks for listening.